listening to the Wrong Side of the Red Line Dallas Stars podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, happy election day, Ryan. I'm just glad this is over so we can all die and fulfill our destinies. That's all I've been waiting for. As a policy, that's all we're going to say on the election day, other than if you're American, you should go vote. You should, if, so. you wanna, if you want to bitch and moan about the election results for the next four years, you're not allowed to do that unless you go and vote. Exactly. So that's all we'll say about the election. And uh, now moving on to uh, Stars Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the inevitable heat death of the universe. Yep. So, the uh, I, I think we're going to start today with, obviously, the issue that has Stars fans just as up in arms about as the election inevitably does. Uh, is the, uh, You're not wrong. We're, we're going <laughs> to talk about the... Uh, today, we're going to spend some time talking about the uh, Jamie Alexiak situation. Uh, we were already going to talk about this. Uh, Ryan, I texted Ryan... Two days ago, when I was watching, when I was watching the uh, before Jamel Smith actually scored two goals, I texted Ryan two nights ago. It was said, "Well, we should open the podcast this week with the question of uh, who plays more game, NHL games with Dallas Stars this year: Jamel Smith or Jamie Alexiak?" And then, true to uh, true to adding uh, entertainment fodder, Jamel Smith scores two goals in a game where the Stars somehow steal a point in Chicago. Yeah. So. I guess I should maybe change that question to who plays more NHL games this year for the Dallas Stars to Justin Dowling or uh, Jamie Alexiak. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you I'll, I'll let you field that first question, Ryan. Who plays more NHL games for the Dallas Stars this year, uh, Jamel Smith, who played four games in the ECHL last year, or Jamie Alexiak? I mean, the way that it's going right now, I. If people keep getting hurt, I mean, Jamel Smith is the easy answer here, and it's just... And I guess we're going to get into this eventually. Someone asked if it's better or not. Let me, I, we'll just, I'll just bring this up right now since I have it up. Should the Stars waiver trade Alexiak carrying 8D seems bad when the team needs forwards and Jamie O never plays? I think that the, um, the 8D thing is kind of secondary here. I think the fact of the matter becomes that you're not just carrying 8D, you're carrying an 8D that you're never playing. So at this point, you're keeping him in hockey purgatory at this awkward place between playing in the NHL and playing in the AHL because you don't want to send him down and lose him for nothing. But at the same time, he's apparently, you don't think that he's good enough to play on a consistent basis or even on a tertiary basis. And we've, talked, we've talked about the merits of We've talked about well, merits is the wrong word because we have we both of us have spoken throughout this podcast that carrying AD is arguably not the right answer. It's right. something that both of us have disagreed with. Um, from the beginning, we we thought perhaps the star should send Essa Lindell down, but Essa's done the, the Lindell's done very well and won that spot. Now you've got and we saw the uh, the, the demerits of a uh, of carrying eight defensemen last year. What it did for Patrick Neff and Jamie Lentzak. Mm-hmm. And now you have Jamie Alexiak in the fold, who is not playing. He's been he was he was an injury scratch the first two nights of the year. So we take the the teams play eleven games now, and he's been a healthy he's been a healthy scratch in the nine games he's been available. He's been a healthy scratch in seven of them. Um, and not only that, the game they decide to play a defenseman at forward. <laughs> 
Yeah. That's the other thing, too, is you're dressing seven defensemen now, and he's still not even one of the guys that you're putting in the yeah. lineup. And, and he's the guy who, it's he was the one who, frankly, I thought would be in the lineup as forward, because everyone was laughing at it, and but at morning skate on this past Saturday, before the first 3-2 loss to Chicago, so Patrick Eves did not skate in the morning. Jimmy Alexiak skated in the morning skate as the forward on the win with Ben and Sagan. Now, granted, that's just that's okay. We need a big a big body to fill a spot in morning skate because the Stars only had twelve healthy forwards and one wasn't skating that morning. But at least in my mind, I thought the indication was okay. Well, maybe that means Alexiak will be in on Sunday if they have to play him if they have to play defenseman at forward. And it still was. It still went to Patrick Bennett. <laughs> So, it's, I mean, it's, his value to the stars has shown immensely. Um, and I think, frankly, they've harpooned, I mean, they've harpooned Alexiak's value, value quite a bit on the trade market. Oh, absolutely. Now, absolutely. I mean, having not played him at all, that's a trade chip. If, if I'm trying to make a trade to you, and I'm going to go tell you something, hey, here's my trash I don't want. I mean, and I'm not saying, not saying JLX is a person of trash, because I know someone will say that, will respond to that way. But if I'm talking about this player that, that the star that Lindy Ruff basically has determined is not part of his lineup, I mean, I think it's fair to say that as long as the other seven are healthy, Lindy Ruff has determined that these are my six defensemen and Patrick Nemeth is seven right now. That's yes. what trends say right now. Yes. Which is basically harpoon Alexiak's trade value. Right. If you're going, if you're trying, if you're Jim Nill and you try and go trade Jamie Alexiak, someone's going to look at it and they can play the slow game with it because they're going to see, they're not going to see the stars trying to trade a position of value for the stars. Now, the waiver thing is another interesting angle because I frankly, there's two ways to look at the Alexiak waiver waiver angle. One, I personally think he would clear right now. I, now, especially after uh, uh, who cleared for the Rangers the other day? Uh, Mac after McElrath cleared the other day. Um, the fact that McElrath can clear waivers the other day tells me that a that Jamie Alexiak potentially clear waivers. Now, maybe you don't want to risk that. Maybe you just want to have him sit. Maybe you just want to continue to hold him in hockey purgatory. Maybe you want to sign. Maybe you want to qualify him as an RFA this summer, <laughs> which yeah. just adds to adds to the drama of keeping eight and going further. Right. But he doesn't have any trade value, and that's that's the thing I want. To just kind of answer that question. People say waive or trade Alexiak. There's no trade value for Alexiak. The no. Stars have harpooned all trade value for him. I mean, he is. He is, if anything, a throw-in to get something. He's the throw-in maybe to make contracts work or get something else work. You can't trade him. There, no. There's nothing, there's no way to trade him right now. Um, and you don't, and you basically kind of set him up where you, you basically, you can either let have him sit and take up space on the team plane and in practice. You could try and wave him and send him to the AHL, but. You'd have you risk losing him, and I think the stars are a little bit. The stars fans also are a little bit overly uh, concerned about losing a player on waivers after the Kevin Connaughton situation, mm -hmm. uh, which was was that last year two uh, two years ago when they lost Kevin Connaughton on waivers, and then he went and played right away. And so I think there's a little bit too much of a. It's it's if you're talking waiver trade, he's a, you have to waive him, and the question is, do you waive him? Is it worth carrying? If, 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 I mean, you can say right now there are eight defensemen on this team, but the Stars are really acting like they're carrying seven in a practice player. That's yeah. what it's like right now. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who hasn't played in almost three weeks now, who in the two games that he has played has suited up for a grand total of just over 24 minutes. Yep, and he... And what did he bring in that, those two games he played? He was okay and he got in a fight. Yeah. Those are those are two things that those are two things that if we're talking about him getting a fight and trying to make an impact that way, well, that's great if this is nineteen ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is this is the other thing too when you go when you look at the trade angle, and this goes back to when we talked in the first episode of the year about Chris Russell is. Teams are going to look at a team like Dallas and say, these guys are mediocre at best defensively, and this guy can't even crack the lineup for that. What does that say about him? And I mean, I, I mean, personally, I don't know what it says about him because I haven't seen him, I haven't seen him play in three weeks. I don't, I've seen him play like 13 NHL games in the last two and a half years. Like, I don't know what it says about him. I've never, we haven't been given the opportunity to see what this kid can do. So it means that, Either he's just awful in practice, or everyone else is so much better than him in practice that Lindy Ruff's not even thinking twice about playing. And and at it's, this point, it's hard to it's hard to judge from practice. I mean, we can watch practice right. as much as we want, but there's only so much to judge, especially at this point of the year, because it's one thing in training camp when in training camp there's opportunities since you have multiple bodies there, you have guys trying to burn you up. Now you go. It seems like every single day at practice, there's a maintenance day for somebody. Right. It seems it seems like every single day at practice, there's I uh, well, Eves isn't skating today, or Ben isn't skating today, and it's a maintenance day. So to try and say that he's even getting a chance to skate full strength at practice against uh, during the team when the rest of the team is playing a very condensed November schedule right now. Mm-hmm. So it's he's got it's there's it's kind of a cyclical situation where he doesn't really have as much of an opportunity to prove it, and. The defensemen who have been in, if I was to go through all of them side by side, you can't, it's hard for you to make a case to say they should play over them. If you go and you say, well, Klingberg, okay, well, you're not going to play uh, Jamie Alexiak over John Klingberg. You're not going to play him over Dan Hughes. You're not going to play him over Johnny O'Doo. You're not going to play him over Stephen Johns. You're definitely not going to play him over how Essa Lindell's been playing right now. Mm-hmm. You're not, are you going to play him over Jordy Ben? Well, some people would now all of a sudden, and I'm going to just take a quick aside to say, once again, Jordy Ben is not on this team because of his brother and not playing because of his brother. Aside over, <laughs> Jordy Ben has played has played well, and it, it, you wouldn't play him over Jordy Ben. And Patrick Nemeth, who when Patrick Nemeth is in the lineup, Patrick Nemeth is one of their better penalty killing defensemen. Mm-hmm. You go down one through seven, and Alexiak loses the head to head against all seven guys. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting. Uh, I mean, you could continue to carry eight. I mean, if, if there's, I don't like carrying eight. Uh, but you could continue to carry eight and just say, okay, we're going to carry a six foot seven, two hundred fifty pound insurance policy for when an injury happens. Right. But see, and, when you when you look at it like that too, you're better off waving him because if you're sitting there and he's never realistically going to get into the lineup, what does it hurt waving him? You open up a roster spot for something that you could potentially use, and God knows they can use it up front right now. And if well, you continue, but if you can continue, like you just said, you're harpooning his trade value. If you continue to place him in the press box every single night. I mean, maybe you have a team that's desperate enough to be like, oh, this guy's huge. Let's take a waiver on him and see what happens. No pun intended. And see what happens. But you can't trade him now because you're, you're, you're better off waving him seeing if he gets through waivers because if you try and trade him, you're going to get next to nothing anyway. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah, you can yes. you can tra- trading him and waving him if you lose him at this point is essentially a distinction without a difference because you're not going to get anything even close. Maybe you get a seventh round pick for him or a sixth round pick for him. Okay, you have a what one in three hundred thousand chance of that turning into anything. Yeah, it's. I mean, and, and I think as I, as I mentioned before, it's it's the fact Dylan McElrath cleared earlier this season shows kind of shows you the value on the open market. I mean, McElrath, in my opinion, is a better and has proven to be a better NHL defenseman than what Jamie Alexiak has done. He's also a he's also a former first round pick as well. Yep. So if 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 other first round picks who are defensemen who are clearing who think McElrath is not obviously he's not as big I think I mean I think I think he's pretty close I think he's about six five roughly six five two hundred not the six seven two fifty but kind of comparable guy like that clears guy like Alexiak in my mind probably clears right now it just it's the market's shown that six five two twenty. Six five two twenty. So you're talking roughly thirty pounds, and the guy who actually plays a little bit bigger than Alexiak plays at six seven. So yeah. they're basically the same player. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's. I think it's. I think we just need to stop calling it eight defensemen. Frankly, I think we start need to start calling it seven defensemen and a practice player. It's like he's yeah. a practice player. He's That's a, really what he is. Now. Yeah, it is, and it's really unfortunate because I would love to see what he could do in consistent playing time because I feel like he can still turn into a pretty damn good NHL player. He's just, you're wasting development years at this point, and it's kind of frustrating to see, to be completely honest. He's, there's, I mean, there's raw tools, let's be honest. There's only, there's only so many six foot seven, 250 pound human beings in the world, and there's even fewer that actually know how to skate. And even fewer than that that actually know how to skate well. Yeah. Because he is, he is a, he does have, that potential first. He has that first round talent at times. I remember uh, it was a time I think when he was down with Texas on a conditioning, with the Texas Stars on a conditioning stint in the AHL last year where there was a play where he picked up the play, carried the puck through center ice through the neutral zone, kind of spun around spun around a defender shouldered off another guy and carried the puck in and got a shot off. It was all a play where you look at like well, crap! This guy's—I mean, six foot seven, six foot—the guy of that size is not supposed to be able to skate the puck like that, right. and no one's going to take the puck off him if he's protecting it well. Yeah, and it's the thing where you look at it like that. I actually thought—I actually was intrigued. I don't—I don't mind the playing Patrick Nemeth at all at forward the other night against Chicago. I thought Nemeth actually—if I told you, if you watch that game and I told you pick out the defenseman. If you didn't know who the who the guy playing defense was amongst the stars uh, amongst the stars forward groups, who, who the natural defenseman was amongst the stars twelve forwards, I don't think you would have been able to say, oh, "Well, there's it's that guy. He's the one who looks at a place." So I thought he actually did. Look, he didn't look bad. He actually looked pretty good at forward, and he has underrated. He has underrated offensive skill oh, that I think sure. people forget about. For sure. Um, um, I but I would have been interested to see what Alexia could have done at forward. I, I would have been interested to see what he could have done with with his size, what he could have done up front there. But even if we're talking about defensemen playing forward, he's still a ballist. Um so it becomes the point where it's where I think we both agree it's worth it's worth putting him on a waivers. I mean it's it's it, it it's I think it's it's a dynamic where you're not going to 
I, a, I don't think you lose him. If you do lose him right now, you haven't lost very much. So someone made the argument to me the other day, oh, well, they could hold on to him and leave him unprotected as a guy for the expansion draft. Well, I don't think he'd get drafted in the expansion draft. Think oh, about no. all the defensemen that are going to be available. No, absolutely not. I mean, maybe so, if you're... If George McPhee, for some reason, has an odd man crush on him and is like, yeah, I'm going to take this guy as my ninth defenseman and see what he does. That's the only chance that that would as, ever happen. As, as ninth, see? To use your... I mean, and we haven't even broke down all of the expansion draft, but that's that's my point. There's yeah. going to be... He's right. not an expansion draft. He's not a guy you hold on to and say, you know what, we hold on to this guy because we might be able to use him as fodder to lose in the expansion draft. No, yeah, he's... at this. It would be a waste to pick at this point because it's... You just don't know. He's there's just no known, especially when you consider how the expansion draft rules are set this year to benefit the Las Vegas franchise. So they're not complete trash their first year. Yes, you don't take a guy like Jamie Alexiak and just on potential alone and say, "Man, I hope he does something for us." Because there's going to be at least four or five other guys that you can. Well, I mean, not four or five other guys. There's going to be you're going to be able to fill out a defense with. Proven solid NHL players. I mean, the best, honestly, the best situation for the Stars with with the whole Alexiak situation is, uh, and you, is one of two things: you put him on waivers, and he clears, and you send him down. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you have a Martin Furk situation where we saw what happened with Martin Furk in, in Detroit, where true, where Martin Furk goes through waivers. Carolina, Detroit puts Martin Furk on waivers. He gets claimed. Um, he gets claimed, and then since Carolina was since Carolina had claimed him, they had to put him on, put him on their roster, their NHL roster for thirty days or waive him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the thing about this: the waiving thing. Anyone who claims him has to keep Alexiak on their roster for thirty days. Yes. So I think, and I don't think with how with how things are set up right now, with how tight and condensed the schedule is, the only way someone would claim him is if they think he can play minutes every night. And I don't know if he can do that. I mean, no one knows if he can do that right now because of how he's been used. Right. So the Stars legitimately could have a situation where, say he was claimed by, I don't know, let's say, say a Florida claimed him, or a Florida, Florida wouldn't claim him, say a uh, Carolina. Just for example, no, for a team, Carolina wouldn't claim him. Their defense is act- they actually have they're pretty loaded on defense. Um, Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo, Vancouver. say Buffalo, say Buffalo claims him, and Buffalo after five games realizes, well, this guy couldn't. There's a reason this guy couldn't crack the lineup on one of the one of the one of the lower level defensive teams in the league. We're gonna wave him again. Dallas could then just cl- put in a claim and send him to Texas right away. So I think that's. I think the waiver option is the way. If you're talking trade or waiver with Alexiak, it's, it's waived. He's not going to be traded. I'll say that again. And I think it's I think it's worth for the aspect of with especially with as guys start to get back and you want to start to manage bodies and get healthy. I think there's a lot of value in carrying 14 forwards right now. Oh, absolutely, I th- absolutely. I think especially with right now having only 12 forwards, only having one extra, you don't even have a healthy body. If somebody gets hurt. Say somebody rolls an ankle. They're on a Western Canada road trip right now. Say somebody rolls an ankle this morning in Winnipeg. They have to play Patrick Nemeth at forward again. Yeah. And, and, and as we said, he wasn't bad the other night, but... That's not a viable long-term strategy. Yeah, no, that's not a viable long-term strategy, especially as these guys get back and get healthy. I don't want... I mean, Jason Spezza is, is probably a weekly thing right now. He gets back next week. 
you want to manage yourself. You want to be able to. You want to be able to say, okay, we maybe day to day. He may be day to day, but you want to be able to have your option to fill in for him sitting in the locker room. You don't want to have him sit in the AHL. I think right now, especially with as guys come back, because Patrick Sharp, when Patrick Sharp comes back, when Cody Eakin comes back, you're going to want to have 14 forwards because you're going to want to have the options there to manage. Okay. They may be healthy, but who's actually feeling well enough to play a game? Right. We want to be able to have the option, especially with, say, Patrick Sharp and dealing with concussions are a terrible, crappy thing to deal with. But you want to be able to have the option to go and say, okay, we don't have to play Patrick Sharp tonight because we have, we're carrying, uh, we're carrying enough forwards. Yep. So I think there's, there's a ton of value in, in, I think it's, I don't want to say addition by subtraction, but I think it allows you to build and the position you need the extra bodies at allows you to get that. And you have to do that by using the waiver wire and seeing what would happen. Cause I really just, I don't think if you lost him, I don't think I wouldn't, I don't think I would lose any sleep over it. I think maybe there'd be a couple people would look and say, Oh, well, first round pick, we should have held on to him longer. But I think those are the same people who were still upset when they traded away Jack Campbell last year. And, Jack Campbell is a great human being, is not, in my opinion, is not going to be an NHL goalie. There just becomes a time when you, when you have to move on. Yeah. And I guess that kind of leads into the, I saw the other question that we got was who gets sent down when guys start coming back. Because at the, I couldn't, with the forward group right now, I couldn't give you a honest to God list right now. No, I mean, it, there's, there's too many questions there right now. Like the question, I think, uh, one of the questions was, uh, the question was actually phrased as when 18 and 83 eventually come back. Sorry, whatever. When all but 18 and 83 eventually goes to the AHL. I think there's too many questions with it right now. I mean, the easy answer is the easy answer is Justin Dow. With this group right now, Justin Dowling is your swingman going back and forth. Yeah. Uh, that's that, that's the easy answer. Um, as soon as somebody comes back, as soon as they take uh, someone off IR, uh, Dowling. And remember, Spez is not on IR right now. So. Spez is technically their 13th forward. They only have 12 healthy forwards. So Spez is, is injured, but technically on the active roster right now. Um, if they, Once somebody comes off IR, Dowling's the one that goes down. Now, before his recent play, I would have said Jamel Smith. Right, that's but exactly my point. It's, right now, it's too early to say. I mean, it's if we're going off the past two games, I would say Jamel Smith stays in the lineup. I mean, Jamel Smith, three games ago was picked as a roster selection when actually they actually had a choice to make on forward, when they actually had the choice and they had 13 healthy forwards, he was picked to play over Curtis McKenzie. Mm-hmm. And Curtis McKenzie was the healthy scratch. So it's too early to tell right now because we don't know, A, we don't know how guys are going to look when they come back, and B, we don't know how certain things are going to sustain and keep playing well. And right now, it's you don't have to make that decision right now. I think... If you make that, if you've made that decision right now on who to send down after Justin Dowling, you've kind of, you're not allowing yourself to see who's playing the best at that moment. So I think it's too early to make that pick. Um, to, to try even table, even tab a guy as you're going to, uh, as, as to say, this is the guy who's going to go down when so and so comes back. I think it's too early to say that. But this does give me a nice segue to, uh, to talk about Javel Smith, who I think, Anyone who had Jamel Smith even playing an NHL game before this season started, I'd call you a liar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... 
Jamel Smith has was a guy who played four games in the ECHL last year with the Idaho Steelheads. He was a middling to lower level AHL player last year, and then he, for whatever reason, he just got it. Just over this past summer, he started figure he started figuring how to put the work in. He matured. I mean, as much as people are seeing him mature on the ice, as much as people have seen him on the ice, his off ice maturity is is levels above what it was in the past. He's a, he's a guy who. Who got? Who gets it off the ice? Down. He's a guy who he understood. He kind of whether it was whether it was learning by example or learning by being sent to the ECHL. He learned what it meant to be a pro, mm-hmm. and he's a guy who he's got. He's a fast player. We saw we saw what he could do with his speed on the penalty kill the other night against Chicago when he scored his first career goal, shorthanded goal, which really pretty move actually. Yeah, it was. against the, yeah, against, it was. against Chicago. And he's a guy who now, I think, he's the type of guy who you're playing with house money on right now. Because he's a guy who, if I told you, if you had told last year, I said, well, he's a, he was one of those prospects who was going to go and be one of those prospects that never panned out. Yeah. Now you're playing with house money on him. And his, uh, it's a great story. I mean, his, I think the other, and I don't know, I don't have any official insight to this, but I mean, one thing that you look at too is, there's also possibly the internal motivation within that family too, because his brother is his brother Giovanni Smith is a Detroit Red Wings uh, yes. prospect. Yes, he and is. Giovanni Smith, I'll, I saw Giovanni Smith playing Traverse City this year, and I'll I said it. I actually told Jamel Smith this the other day. I said Giovanni Smith looked like the better brother, better hockey player <laughs> in Traverse City. Actually, no, he he did. He looked he looked like in, in Traverse City. And granted, he was playing against other prospects, but he he looked like the player who. Was supposed to be that guy who's the future NHLer, and Jamel Smith actually. And so Jamel actually said that. Actually, his his, his report, his response to me when I pointed that out the other day. So other people have told him that as well. So I don't know. Maybe there was some internal family competition of you know what I've got a I'm older brother. I've got to, I've got right. I've got to, I've got to prove I've got to prove myself a bit. I don't know. It's 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 maybe that was part of the dynamic. But it's that's a great it's a great story. I mean the guys who obviously. You, you look at the injuries. You look at who is uh, who is out, and it makes it could make a very nice power play unit for many NHL teams. But it's it's been some good stories for the guys who have stepped up and played. And the other thing, right now, we've talked last week. We talked about when do you hit the panic button. It's still three weeks from Thanksgiving. If the playoffs start today, the Stars will be a playoff team, and they've played well against good teams. They played well. They lost both games against Chicago, but it's a game where if they finish their chances, they win that game. Right, and you're talking about a team that took four of eight points last week, which over the course of a season isn't going to get you anywhere. But right now, that's treading water. You're not yeah. sinking. You're not sinking right now. You're still treading water. I don't. I don't think anyone in uh, in the locker room or the team, or I don't think anyone will admit it. Because no one wants to admit that that 500 hockey is okay. I think they're happy if they can get to December first at 500 hockey, and then and then know they're getting all their their big names back. I think they're happy. Honestly, I yeah. think I think I think they look at it as we're good enough of a team to if, if the group we have right now keeps that 500, keep us within five six points of the playoff berth, and then we can get our start getting getting bodies back. We're in a good spot. 
And I don't think anyone, no one will admit, to admit that because no one wants to admit they're okay with the win some, lose some, win some, lose some. But it's, I think that that's the unwritten belief in the coaches and the general manager's office, and that's why they can be they can be patient right now. Yeah, you talk. I mean, this is another uh, favorite sports adage: is you get guys back from injury midseason, and your coaches and executives like to talk about it as a big old midseason trade acquisition. That's a you get Jason Spezza, Patrick Sharp, and Cody Eakin all back. Hopefully within the next month, that's a pretty strong midseason acquisition right there. And it, and a healthy Yuri Hooker. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing. Really what Hooker's played uh, four games, but he hasn't looked like a very. He no, hasn't looked very good. What does he have? And bubonic plague or something? Good lord! Gross. I mean, that's it's the... everything we've ever been told about Hoodler is illness or in viral infection and things like that. And it's. Uh, I mean, at one point it was so bad they didn't even want him near the team. Yeah. So, I mean, Mono or something. I mean, it's that, and then the other thing this team has right now going for them and trending in the right direction is Jamie Ben did not look good to start the season. But so I think that's we that's can, a fair statement. That, that's that, that's a fair statement, and he is. Lindy Ruff admitted he was dealing with something that was something, whether it was related to the hip or the core muscle, we don't know. We don't know for sure. He saves dealing with something, and then of course, and now I'm fine. I can play. Of course, of course, he's of course he's going to say that. But he's actually over the last three or four games, he started to look like the Jamie Ben that you expect. Uh, and so, if he continues to trend in the right direction, it continues to find his group. It continues to to get better. The team gets even better as well. Yeah, so, God, remember uh, two years, like the end, the last. 24 games or whatever it was the year he won the Art Ross when he had like 37 points over his last 24 games or something like that. I don't know. If I, I might be exaggerating it a little bit, but that's, you know, not out. I don't even know what the point. I just wanted to bring that point up. I don't know why. It's just well, yeah, fun to remember. Yeah, there's, it's a long, the point is, it's, I think, to, to, to follow, it's a long season and he's getting and he's trending in the right direction. And that's something, that's a player you want trending in the right direction. Yeah. If you're going to start slow, you want to get better. It's actually, it's almost better to think. It's better, it's better than going and having eight points in the first four games and then, uh, then plummeting. Right. Plummeting exactly. after that. So, it's, I think his, uh, and this was one of the other questions that was posed to us was our opinion on his struggles. And I think it's, I think it's still only 11 games. I think, He's getting to where he needs to be, and I think I think it's fair to say by the twenty game point, when you have sixty games, sixty two games left in the season, he'll be Jamie Ben you expect to be, expect him to be, and so I'm not worried about it right now. I'd say he's turning in the right direction, and I think this is the type of thing that we'll be able you'll look back on later and remember that he did struggle, but it just becomes part of the storyline of how. He dealt with injury. I mean, that's that's the thing. The injury was bad enough he didn't play in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. The injury was... And this is a guy who who made his... Who really grabbed his space grabbed his space on the national stage with the Sochi Olympics. He was a guy who loves playing international hockey. So he didn't play in that. And I think... So the injury is as much as everyone... Says, while he was ready for opening night, the injury was worse than anyone actually admits. And... He's still dealing with lingering effects with it, but he's getting over. It. So it's 
it's it's a setup where the stars are trending in the right direction with with his health, and I think the struggles will continue to just continue to disappear. And I might be wrong. You may you might you might call me an idiot in a week when we talk again, but. I think I think right now there's too much. I don't think it's worth spending time worrying about Jamie Ben's health right now because I think it's now trending in the right direction. I mean, I don't think. I mean, even if he doesn't, I don't think anyone can ever call you an idiot for saying a guy who's been one of the leading scorers in the NHL over the last two and a half years is starting to get his legs back under him. Because we no, all just as weird. I mean, maybe we take it for granted, but we all just assume that he's going to get there because he's proven that he can fight through like I know I saw Mike Heiko was jousting a little bit on Twitter with people about this the other day that he's proven in the past that he can will himself through these types of, of things Feisty Heiko I just I love like some of Mike's articles I just love the intellectual shade that he throws in some of his articles he wrote one a couple weeks ago about like Descartes and something like that and I'm sitting in the bathroom at the rec reading it and I'm like whoa that was good. <laughs> was that, that was the Descartes Locke article, probably? I think so. I think so. It was a couple weeks ago now, and my memory's not that good, but I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, it's, uh... All these phil- philosophical questions, and I'm like, this is the type of writer that I aspired to be. Note the past tense of aspired. Aspired? That's because... <laughs> well, it's uh, and he made a couple really good. He he made a couple really good points recently on the Jamie Ben thing, um, and there was also the uh, there's also been some salient points about you have to everyone can anyone can and this is the one thing. Uh, Jim Nill's done a very good job of building this team. He's done, I mean, it's, there's, he's done a very good job. Of, if you look at this team when it's extremely healthy, you look at that's a very good hockey team. He did a really good job of adding the depth that he needed. But the one thing that he did that's put his coach in a difficult spot, and this circles back to our beginning, is it's not easy to coach who would hate defense. Agreed. I mean, I mean, that's the thing that everyone, if anyone, anyone who wants to go and it rip on Lindy Ruff for the eight defenseman situation, how he's handling it. You also then have to go and you have to point to Jim Nill and say, well, this is Jim Nill's fault that they have eight because it's his job to pick who, it's his job to pick the roster. It's his job to pick who Lindy Ruff has to choose from. So that's, that's the other thing too. I, I want to make that point right now where it's not easy to coach eight defensemen. It's not like it's, it's not like it's a, it's not like, Lindy Ruff goes to Jim Nillen and says, I want to carry eight defensemen. Right. I don't think anyone, I mean, unless you're talking about eight defensemen who are borderline elite, I don't think anyone wants this problem right now. No, and no one has eight borderline. And, and the other thing is, too, where you don't even have, they, they had a defenseman play, they had a defenseman play forward the other night. That was okay. But it's, it's nothing, it's not like any of your defensemen are a Brent Burns or a Dustin Bufflin who you could say, you know what, he's also a viable winger. Right. Um, it's it, it's not like that. I mean, it's it's the type of thing where I, I remember some people have mentioned before, it's like, oh, well, they should play Klingberg at win. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, it's, I, I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit that spot. Uh, I mean, and then this other thing people said, oh, well, he's put, 
it's they don't they don't have none of them are really that roaming and so Klingberg does roam and move around, but he's not the roaming physical impact that a Bufflin or a Burns brings when you right. put it forward. Right. You want Absolutely. if you want if you want a guy playing forward who's going to do that, you want him to bring a little bit of that grinding style, uh, that grinding style with the offensive touch. Right. You want him to bring a little bit of both, and Klingberg wouldn't bring that at forward. I think he's I think he's a very, he's a very good, he's very good. I think him and Lindell have been a very good pairing. I think, I think, frankly, one thing that you're looking at that I think the understated development of this season that we're starting to notice is you're starting to see your defensive roles set for the next three or four years, I think. Because yeah. I think Lindell Klingberg becomes, and obviously things can change, Lindell has to continue to play well, but you're starting to see Lindell Klingberg as that lefty-righty pair that stays together for a long time. Yep. I think... You look at Stephen Johns, Stephen Johns and Johnny O'D are there. O'D is probably gone after uh, after this season or the following season. But you're looking at John, that your right side is Klingberg and Lindell are in top. Your second pairing, defensive pairing, your right-handed guy is Stephen Johns, and maybe he's with a Patrick Nemeth. Yeah. And then and then you have your third pairing next season and. I kept saying, I, I've told people to be patient with him, and I think next year might actually be the year, um, having now watched, seen how he's taken the next step, is next year maybe the Julius Honka year. Next yeah. year you could be your third, your, your third pair right hand defenseman could be Julius Honka, and you could have him play with a Dan Hamwees or a Jordy Ben next year, play with a, with an older guy. And I, it's, and once again, this goes back to the beginning where I'm talking about all this, and I have not mentioned Jamie Lexiak's name. Yeah. That's true. And it's... It's unfortunate, but I mean, it's kind of how you have to proceed with it now. Well, it's the, it's, the, it's it's kind of been... it's For all the luck the Stars have had with fifth-round picks, their first-round selections have not been... Say, I was thinking about... Has, has, has not... <laughs> I was about... I wanted to bring this up at some point. Can we just talk about how god-awful the Stars have been at drafting in the first round the last... Since they've consistently had first round picks. It's been bad. I mean it's it's you've got it, no, it's been deck. it's been more than bad. It is but let's here. No, let's we're gonna play this game now. We're gonna we're we're down the rabbit hole, we're gonna play it. Two thousand nine, Scott Glennie. Hey, Scott Glennie has uh is, is refining his career with the Manitoba Moose right now, Ryan. Has he really? I thought he retired. He oh he missed all of last year because of injury, but yeah, no, no, Scott Glennie is not a uh, Scott Glennie did not pan out well. No, Scott Glennie did not. I mean, hold on. I don't. I mean, not the, the 2009 draft by and large, really. Other than the first seven picks weren't really that good. Because I mean, you look at the guys drafted after him. You have Brian Ellis, Calvin DeHaan. That's really it for the rest of the first. Well, Marcus Johansson hasn't been bad. Kyle Palmieri. He's at least an NHL player. Right. No, exactly. And I mean, you're drafting in the top. And this is the point I'm going to get to as we go on, yeah. go along a little bit here. Like, Raddick, you took Raddick Fox at 13, what was it, 2012? At least he's, I mean, you take a guy. I mean, I guess if you go in the 10 to 20 range, you're looking for them to just be an NHL player. And Raddick Fox has certainly been good at what he does. But I mean, 2011. I'm sitting there and I remember this. The I distinctly remember, no, it's 2010. Don't mind me. I distinctly remember this year because I'm sitting there thinking, man, I want them to draft Jack Campbell. And then for some 
dumbass reason the Rangers took Dylan McElrath instead of Camp Fowler. And I'm like, no, take Camp Fowler. And they still didn't take Camp Fowler. Speaking of guys who we talked up earlier who passed waivers, Dylan McElrath. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. You know, the two, you, 2010 draft is, do you have six all-stars? I mean, granted, all and being an NHL all-star really isn't a huge deal, I guess you could say, but there's six all-stars in the first round, plus, I mean, you have, God, how many, this was a really good draft. Plus, I mean, Erica Branson's an NHL player. Neo Niederreiter's an NHL player. Alex Bermistrov, more or less, is an NHL player. Michael Granlin's an NHL player. Cam is an NHL player. Jaden Swartz is an NHL player. I'm pretty sure Derek Forbert has been up with the Kings this year. Has he? I don't even know. Maybe that was just in my NHL 17 game. But Derek uh, Forbert is a, uh, he's a serviceable NHL player. Right. When I mean, Nick, Nick Bukestad's an NHL player. Bo Bennett's been an NHL player. Riley Shahan's been an NHL player. Jared Tenorio's been an NHL player. Kevin Hayes has been an NHL player. Charlie Coyle's been an NHL player. Brock Nelson's been an NHL player. There's a bunch of NHL players in this draft, and you got a guy who you drafted a guy who played one NHL game. When you go to 2011, I mean, if we're talking and we're talking about guy who not only could you take Cam Fowler, and obviously revisionist 2020 hindsight is always 2020. It makes it a lot easier, but a guy who now was traded to LA for Nick Ebert. So, and Nick Ebert's a nice, serviceable AHL defenseman, but his value in the end for you was a depth HL defenseman. Yeah. And I mean, you go to 2011, and I mean, most of the best guys from this draft were in the second round, and I don't like that thing where you're like, oh, you could have, this guy was taken in the second round, and you could have taken him in the first round. Well, no, because if you could have taken him in the first round, someone would have taken him in the first round. Well, yeah, everyone else, I mean, it's the same thing where I'm, I'm sure if you, for example, you go to the John Klingberger or Jamie Benn, both right. draft in the fifth round, you'd yeah. say, oh, well, okay, they should have been taken in the in the first round. Oh. Everyone else passed on him two, four times. Right. I mean, the Stars passed on him four times. That's, right. That's, that's the other thing. If they could, if they could have taken him in the first round, someone would have taken him in the first round. But so, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, you look at these drafts, and the Stars have gotten very little value out of first round picks since 2009. But I mean, like 2011, who else are they going to take in the first round after this? Like JT Miller's been okay. Joel Army has been here and there. Nathan Bowley has been here and there. Oscar Clefbaum's been okay. Connor Murphy's been okay. But most of these guys, there's not a lot of NHL players in that one. I mean, the, the, Rickard, the, the Rickard Raquel pick at, the, at, 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 30. at 30 by the Ducks looks like a nice pick in that draft. Obviously. Right, but that's the other but, thing. It's That's half a round right there. That's half a round later, yes. I, mean, uh, I think the you look at 2012, you take a look at the... If you're talking about redrafting in 2012, the year Foxa goes 13. I mean, I think the Oilers, if anyone wants a redo on that year, it's the oh, Oilers. God, yeah. Yakupov, number one. I mean, that was... Uh, God, they could use Morgan Riley. Morgan in, in, in the war. Oh, yeah. In the war. Well, I, even I remember that draft, and they, the Ducks took the Lindholm at six, and everyone was like, why are you taking this guy this early? He's a middle, middle first-round guy at best. And I mean, I, that obviously worked out well for them. But... But even still, I mean, who did this? I mean, I don't hate the Fox pick at all because he's no. The, more than I, I think I think the Fox pick Fox is the type. I think Fox is a good pick, and uh, I I'd argue there's you take you go down, and you look through the draft, and I, I don't I don't disagree with that draft. Um, the only the only thing maybe if you're if you're comparing 
Foxiverse guys who went later who would have still been available at that time is you look at a Thomas Hurdle maybe you look at a you look at uh, at Tampa taking Vasilevsky yeah, I was but say, I still I don't think, they, I, think I don't think I think I think Tampa Bay got extremely lucky taking a goalie in the first well, round I think right. there's too much and then you look the at it and at an Olimata um, but other than that I don't I, I think I think the 2012 the 2012 draft you look at the first round and it's it doesn't, it's not a, that's not a loss. Cause I, no. I think, I think, while Hurdle, people may think of Hurdle as the better goal scorer and the better point producer, I think Fox actually plays a bigger role on the stars. Oh, absolutely. Just from the penalty killing to the, to being able to be in a long time, a long time piece for this team. Yeah. Um, then we get to, uh, talking about going down the wormhole, we get to 2013. And see, this is, I mean, you're sitting here and I just pulled this up and my first thought was, Alex Winberg has been phenomenal this year for Columbus. He's a good player. But He's a very good player. I can't even I can't even sit here with a straight face and tell you I would do anything differently because Val Nichushkin was supposed to be a top five pick in this draft. And he fell to you at ten. Even hindsight twenty twenty, I don't know how you I mean, obviously, maybe you'd want to do that differently because he's obviously not here anymore, and you don't know what his NHL future is going to become. But so, the, the only thing with him, the only, and this is once again, I just re, 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 re say that being able to look back and redraft is twenty twenty. But the, the 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 guy who I see as a is Max Domi. I was going to say I knew player. I knew where you were going with that. Right when I I looked over his name the first time. Yeah, Max Domi. Because Max Domi was supposed to be a top 10 pick that year, too, and he fell a little bit. Mm-hmm. He actually, I mean, speaking of recent highlights, who absolutely leveled, uh, who did he, uh, the one Kessler. Punch, he looked like Ryan a bad guy the Yeah, I, my buddy texted me about that, and I got a good laugh out of that. I mean, and then you had, and then the other first round pick that year, and I think, I think there's still time to determine, obviously, what they'll be. But you had Jason, Jason Dickinson. Dickinson was you took Jason Dickinson twenty nine overall that yeah. year with the uh, with the Yager trade, right? And if you're looking at um, that's not guys late, no, no guys late in the first round, you obviously they take a you give them a little bit more time to develop, and that's totally acceptable and fine. And the very next pick in that round is Ryan Hartman. Who is a uh, he's been good. Who's a good player, and we saw Ryan Hartman play the other night. But to me, Ryan Hartman equates to a Curtis McKenzie, and Curtis McKenzie's you can get in the fifth and sixth round. Yes. This is no disrespect to Curtis McKenzie. I'm just talking about the skill level, right? Where, so, I mean, and that's and again, then then you move on, and from then you start getting to the point where it's too early it's, to judge yeah, the rest exactly. of the starting first round picks because exactly. I believe we go to 2014. And that's Honka. That's Honka. And he looks like he's going in a pretty strong direction. That's that's trending this right direction. The next year you move to Yurianov, which is I think I think there's there's still a wild card factor with Yurianov with what he can become. Mm-hmm. But I think he can be I think it can pan out well. And then you go to the next to the following this past year where you take Riley Tufty and Tufty is a long term project. He's yep. He's a high school kid who, and it's always when you take a high school kid, it's always going to be a long term project because mm-hmm. you you got to see. And he's having a little bit. He's on a schneid a little bit right now. I don't think he has any points yet with Minnesota Duluth, but he also came off injury. He, he missed the first three or four games of the year, I believe. Yeah, so it's the first round has not been 
past three years, you have a chance. You still have a chance to see how things go. But you take that stretch from 2000... 2000, 2009 to 2013, you have what five first round picks, and you only have one NHL roster player off of that. Yeah, and these weren't late first round picks. These were ten to fifteen first round picks. These are guys when you sh- where you should be getting. And like you look at a guy like Radic Foxy, you should be getting a guy at minimum like that every single time. And once again, this is not a disrespect to Radic Foxy because he's been one of the team's better players this year. But when you're drafting that high, you expect those players to be NHL players. Yeah, no, you expect them to be NHL players, and this is the same thing for. This is well, this is the biggest problem with, for and many NHL teams where it is a crapshoot. But you should. You'd like to think your scouting department should be able to, when you're picking in the top 15, should be able to recognize a guy who can play right. in the NHL. And I mean, also, I think I think the Jack Campbell thing also sent the warning shot to the. I think the Jack Campbell whole situation. On a side to that, I think that serves as the litmus test for every other NHL team why no one will ever take a goal in the top 10 ever oh, again. For sure, for sure. Because you remember a couple of years ago, Zach Fucal. Everyone yeah. expected him to be. A first, a high first round pick, and he fell to the early second round because everyone was like, "Nope, we're not touching a goalie in the first round." Yeah, I, I think, and I think Jack Campbell can be to the stars in the Jack Campbell situation can either be to to credit or to blame for that, depending on which word you want to use. Right. All right. Well, now that we fell down this rabbit hole, I have to go to class. <laughs> well, let's 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 end this week talking about so circling back to to one thing, not. Earlier in the episode, we've already talked enough about Jamie Alexiak. We talked last week about when do you hit the pan button. I just want to finish up with it. You take a look at what they did last week. After they went in, they did not they did not play well in Columbus. They had a bad showing in Columbus. But they go and they beat a St. Louis team convincingly. And then they played against a Chicago team, back-to-back against a Chicago team. That is a very good Chicago team. They oh, did yes. it very shorthanded. They did it, they did it where... It was a good showing to take where they could have, I think, a healthy Dallas Stars team beats that Chicago team in, in that game. So, you don't have to hit the panic button. And circling back to last week, you go through this Western road trip with a bunch of winnable games, and it's a good spot for the Stars. Yeah. And during all of that, and I said I wasn't going to circle back, during all of that, you're still going to have Jamie Alexiak, a practice player, and we'll see what they do. Yep. So, <laughs> so everyone... Uh, once, as we said, to start the uh, this podcast, if you're listening on Tuesday, go vote, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your week of staying up late to watch these games.